developing independence. Sounds a little scary in a way, doesn't it? Especially when we're thinking of it in terms of our young people. But isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're training them for and teaching, instructing? Developing in them the ability to become independent and to eventually, if, if the Lord doesn't come in the near future, to begin their own lives and to carry on with their own families. You know, not a lot is said about how Jesus developed his independence, but if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Luke, the second chapter, and verse 52. A statement that's full of significance, especially when you consider the, the life of Jesus, the quiet years of the early life of Jesus before he began his ministry. There in Luke 2, 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. So he was growing in his mind, he was growing in his body, and he was growing in favor with God and man. A very brief statement, but it encompasses so much when we recognize that Jesus recognized as, as a 12-year-old in the temple that he was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. 12 years old, he recognized this, and he quietly grew in his independence. But Jesus didn't go out and start a youth ministry, did he? Jesus didn't go out and start an evangelistic campaign at 18. Jesus did not go out at 21, at 25. Jesus remained a youth, a young man in his home, growing daily in the will of his heavenly Father, working in a simple carpenter shop day after day until he was 30 years old and began his public ministry. The independence that Jesus developed is the kind of independence that we want our young people to develop, isn't it? An independence that was able to stand. An independence that was able to make someone in his presence feel more comfortable than they had ever felt, and yet is unbending as steel to principle. When someone tried to lead him away from his godly independence, he would say, It is written. And he would not turn into the independence of evil. It's interesting that if we as parents don't recognize the importance of training proper godly independence in our young people from whatever age we recognize we need to start. For us, it wasn't in the womb. It was when we already had children. Wherever you find yourself, we need to start beginning to train Godly independence. If we don't, and if we haven't, we know the outcome. Independence will come, won't it? The natural self-independence. You know what that's like, don't you? I don't want to. You ever heard those words? With the emphasis on the want and the stamp of the foot? We've had that in our home. That's an independent spirit, isn't it? But is that the independence that we want to cultivate in our young people. That's an independence of the selfish heart that is in, that's antagonistic to the will of God. An unwillingness to be guided, to be directed. An unwillingness to be led in what is right. 
holding on to our own thoughts, our feelings, our perspectives. My way is right, and I'm going to make sure it gets done my way. That independence, same word, will happen naturally, spontaneously, if we do not cooperate with the Lord to develop that proper independence. So you can see that that same word can mean two very distinct things. We were with some other, we were with another family with, with other young people, and we were in a situation where we were at a swimming pool. And in very big letters around the swimming pool, it said what? Oh, you've been at that swimming pool. <laughs> Those swimming pools are like that nowadays, aren't they? When I was a little boy or when I was growing up, some of the swimming pools were much deeper, 8 feet, some of them 12 feet, big diving boards, and they had no signs like that. Why do we have those signs today? Well, it's partly true. You know, there's a lot of liability today, certainly. And one of these other youth, first thing they did when they read the no diving is they did what? And they happened to be an older youth. What kind of influence do you think that had on my youth? Well, I'm glad they didn't dive in, but it sure tempted them to dive in because that older youth began to explain that he had higher wisdom. That sign really isn't for me. I know why that sign is there. That sign is for people that might break their neck if they dive in in the wrong place in the pool. That sign is there for the owner so he won't have to pay a lawsuit if somebody gets hurt. And I simply said that sign is there because the people who own the pool have the right to decide whether we dive in or not. Amen. And our children won't be diving in. Well, that kind of independence is not the right kind of spirit, is it? The kind of independence that Jesus developed, the kind of independence that Daniel developed was the kind of independence that obeyed the laws of man unless those laws conflicted with the laws of God. And that independence led them to a situation where there was no flaw that could be found in Daniel's life when they went to the king. They tried in every way possible, let's see if we can figure out something on this guy that we can get him out of the picture. And they couldn't come up with anything they couldn't come up with anything except the way he prayed to his God. And so then they came up with their law that they wanted the king to put his stamp on, that nobody could pray to any other God but the king. What kind of independence are we developing in our young people? What is the spirit that's being developed? You know, we're told that true refined independence never disdains the counsel of experienced and the wise. You understand that? Never disdains the counsel of the experienced and the wise, and it treats the counsel of others with respect. Amen. What's the attitude that the independent spirit carries with it? True independence of mind is not stubbornness. I'm going to do it my way, and I don't care what anybody says. That's not independence. That's stubbornness. 
True independence of mind is not stubbornness. It leads the youth to form their opinions upon the Word of God. Amen. That's where the highest freedom comes for our young people. That is where the deepest independence comes. And that is where our young people can stand alone and be a majority with our Father in Heaven. Amen. That is the independence that Jesus developed. That is the independence that Joseph developed. That is the independence that Daniel and Esther developed. And isn't that the independence we want our young people to develop today? I think it's the independence we need, right? Amen. You know, it's interesting that as we recognize needs for our children, it's because we have the same need. We've been blinded to it for so long. It, uh, Carolyn was saying earlier, you know, about you see your little self running around. <laughs> and we have three little selves running around. <laughs> Those three little selves were mirrors of these two big selves. And we recognize that we were not teaching our children when they were very young how to obey, how to be happy, how to be helpful, and all the Christ-like characters that we all want our children to have. They're not naturally born that way. So we began this process a number of years ago. And one of the things we recognized was important to do was to teach our children how to be helpful in the home. And so we began to give our children little responsibilities and little duties. And I remember we had been in the country for about a year, and they had, we were in this process of giving them these responsibilities. And every morning, a very faithful mother, as a very faithful mother, I get up and say, okay, girls, it's time to get up. They get out of bed. It's time to get your water. They get their water. It's time to have time with Jesus. They would get their little worship out. And so this process went on. Well, one day, I got them up, got preoccupied. You know, we sometimes get preoccupied. Have you ever had that experience? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, right? And there I was, you know, just totally consumed. I don't even now remember what I was doing. But what I remember is about 7.30 in the morning, I went into my girls' room. They were six and four at the time. And guess what they were doing? No, I'd gotten them up. They were sitting on the bed in their pajamas. They'd already been up for an hour. And they were sitting on their bed in pajamas. You know, Carolyn talked about patience this morning. We all know that we, we need patience, right? Well, that morning the Lord demonstrated to me my need of patience. Your lack of patience? And my lack of patience. <laughs> I said, what are you doing sitting on the bed? Why aren't you dressed? Like, I can't believe this. You're just sitting there. And they said, well, Mommy, you never told us to. You know, I never, what do you mean I never told you to? Okay, so before I said anything else other than please get dressed, I went into the room where my husband was, our bedroom, and I said, I can't believe it. Of course, now I'm still quite, you know, exasperated, in, exasperated, in shock, <laughs> not very happy. And he said, I said, I can't believe that they're there. Of course, they gave me the reason why. You never told us to. Why? Because every other morning I had done faithfully, time to get up. Time to get dressed. And I didn't make it any easier on you, did I, dear? 
She you, came in the room and told me in exasperation. I said, that's what we've trained them to do. <laughs> Developing independence. And patience. And patience. <laughs> Developing independence, we were trying to teach them how to be independent. In other words, you need to get up, you need to get dressed, you need to drink your water, you need to have your time with the Lord, you need to... And as the day goes on, I said, the problem is... What we've also trained them to do is we've trained them to wait to be told to do it. And this has to stop. That's when we had our first major family council. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the Lord is good because he, before we ever got to the family council, I'd already surrendered my heart to the Lord. And I came as a a mother in a great need and a mother that needed to have more wisdom and to be taught myself how to train my children. Because I, I really was putting forth great effort to do what I thought was right to do, but I didn't realize I was actually handicapping my children not to take responsibility and think and act for themselves. That's what we want to talk about in this developing independence is not an independence from right doing. It's not an independence of a selfish nature. It's a proper independence that as they grow, they learn how to govern themselves according to uh, the habits and, and rules of the home and according to the Word of God, that proper independence. So during that family council, it was decided that we would make a chart because... You know, we told the girls there's only eight things you need to do in the morning from the time you get up. Drink your water, you know, get yourself dressed, clean your room, have your devotions, you know, a few little things like that. So, Mommy, what happens if we forget? Well, we all forget, don't we? Now, that morning they were sitting on the bed. They didn't forget. They just were waiting. One hour. Can you believe... It's still amazing to me. <laughs> not, not that they waited that long, but that they could sit there for an hour waiting for me to tell them to get dressed. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't think they were sitting there the whole time. <laughs> well, maybe they weren't. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing, but they were sure quiet. Maybe I should have asked them what they had been doing. They were just too quiet sitting there, huh? Girls, we have a talk to have after the meeting today. <laughs> So we decided to make a chart. At that point, they really couldn't read very well. We hadn't really started formal education. And so we made this simple chart. And, you know, the things we share are very simple. We got out a piece of 8.5 by 11 white paper, and we drew eight sections on that paper, and I drew a, just little pencil pictures. And I'm not an artist. I think you still have that, don't you? I thought I did, but I couldn't find it when I looked for it. Oh. I probably put it somewhere I wouldn't forget. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> they were simple pencil drawings, little stick, stick pencil people. And, you know, a glass of water or this or that. And anyway, we put that in the kitchen on a bulletin board. And every morning then, from then on, it was a responsibility to follow that. If they could remember it, good. But if they would forget, the only thing they had to remember was to simply go upstairs and look to see what they were supposed to have accomplished in that first hour of the day. And like I said, one of the things we put on there was to have the room clean, their beds made. Well, you know, we were exasperated, but we were thankful that we wanted to begin instilling in them at a young age independence. Many parents have missed this. 
their children just have what some would call a free ride. You just get up when it's time to eat breakfast, and they come to the breakfast table with their tousled hair and their beds unmade, and we wanted to, to have something. We just needed to learn how to do it. And so I remember that first morning after we had our family council together. It was just about time for worship. And two little girls poked their head in mother and father's room. Now, what do you think they were looking for in mother and father's room after our family council? <laughs> was our bed made? Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Our bed was made, and that's exactly what they were looking for. They told us at family worship. They were coming to see if we were doing what we asked them to do. Do you think we need precept and example? Amen. You know, one of the biggest difficulties that I, that I run into with parents that are often exasperated is even though they don't mean to, it's a do as I say and not as I do. I'm too busy, or I've got too much going on. We cannot allow this to happen. If we're too busy, if we have too many things going on to take care of the basic things that we're trying to instill in our young people, we better reprioritize with the Lord. Amen. So that's one of the first places that our children looked after we had this informative family council together, is do mother and father... Well, I'll put it in my terms. Follow the chart. Do we practice what we preach? Yes, do we follow the chart? <clears throat> so how do we begin to develop that independence? We, we want to help our young people when they're young, little, to learn how to make right decisions. Isn't that right? So charts are very effective. They can be very simple. And it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to have anything but a piece of paper thumbtack, and a pencil to accomplish it. So we're not talking about a great investment, except of our willingness to see the importance to do simple measures to help our children develop that independence. One of the other areas the Lord showed us was in developing proper independence was to teach our children how to make right choices. I was a great parent for giving my children questions like this. What would you like to do? Have you ever asked your child that? <laughs> what would you like to do? Fairly broad question, isn't it? And don't you find that so often when you ask the question, you really already have in your mind what you want your child to do or what you want them to play with or how, where you want them to play? And we also um, are not prepared when we ask those broad questions for the answer that almost always will come, which is something almost always opposite of what we really want them to do or want them to play, right? Haven't any of you had that experience? <laughs> okay, a few of you. Maybe I'm more on the minority, I don't know, but those broad, open-ended questions. What do you want to wear today? Or even worse, letting your child, and I've seen this, just put on whatever they want to put on. Oh, they're, they're learning independence. And so they get themselves dressed every day. When you see how they come out of the room dressed, your heart goes out because you're not teaching them how to 
dress properly for weather conditions or at least to be somewhat organized or coordinated. Not, not that you have to be, you know, exact, but that, you know, you don't want pink polka dots and green plaid on the other side. So we recognize that training independence began in us as parents to learn how to direct and give our children the opportunity to make choices and decisions based off of good choices. For instance, what would you like to wear today, Josiah, with your blue jeans? Would you like to wear the red shirt or the green shirt? Both of those are acceptable. You know, it's, it's winter time. You want to wear your green long sleeve shirt or your blue long sleeve shirt instead of him coming out with something different on. So we begin to teach them the independence in choosing. Instead of being a dictator, they, they learn how to make choices. But in the process, we're giving them boundaries that they operate within that help them to make choices that are reasonable for the situation. You can take that into any age group, but it's especially important when they're young, if you've got the opportunity when they're young. Coloring a picture is a simple example. A lot of children, two or three years old, will color, well, scribble, okay, indiscriminately. Is it appropriate to believe that a child of two years old can color a picture within the framework of their age? What do you think? Two years old. Okay? I hear some good, strong... It is possible. It's very possible. We've experienced it in our own home. It takes a little bit of expectation. They don't have to color green hair. Like this. Okay? Green hair and a purple face. They can color normal colored hair. And they can stay within the lines reasonably. I'm not saying that we should expect from a two-year-old what we expect from a six-year-old or a four-year-old. What I'm suggesting to you today, and this is not just theory with us anymore, this is reality, not just in our family, but many families that we've known and spent time with. Two-year-olds can do an amazing job on a coloring book. I remember one lady told us when she heard this message, she came to us in tears. She said, my son was coloring at two years old beautifully. Under my direction, given some basic guidance, and she said, of all things, the pastor of our church came over one day, saw my two-year-old coloring this picture took the crayon and said, two-year-olds should be scribbling. Can you imagine that? Now, I'm not picking on the pastor. This just happens to be a true story. And it also happens that pastors carry an influence, as pastors should. Okay? But pastors should carry the right kind of influence. And she said, you know, I struggled for weeks after that with my child. Scribbling. One encounter. So, I want to encourage us that many times it isn't that our expectations are too great in developing independence. It's most often in the generation that we live, they're far too low. If you want to get a glimpse 
we had the opportunity to go over into the Waldensian Valleys. And we read the book by Wiley, the historian, The History of the Waldenses. If you want to, and you don't have to go to their valleys, you can read the account in the great controversy in chapter 4. It's a very, it's a condensed account of their experience. But you want to talk about what young people can learn and how they can become independent at 2 and 3 and 4 years old. It's incredible history. But we're in a generation now that parents almost feel abusive if they put any expectations on their children And this is not as it should be. If we want our children to be independent, you know, one of the things that's very interesting today is that that some of the most prestigious universities in the country are now recruiting homeschooled students. Amen. Recruiting. You know why? They found out over a period of years that the students that were homeschooled are independent thinkers, self-motivated self-governed, directed, follow instructions, can be told once and get the job done, can see what needs to be done and do it without being told. This is phenomenal. That's what these professors are saying. (laughs) This is phenomenal. And it is in contrast with the generation of many of the young people today. This is our privilege to teach and train our young people to become independent, independent with the Lord, according to the Word of God. Amen. Just because our young people grow older doesn't mean that they aren't guiding parameters, guiding boundaries within the home in that training of independence. We still have to work with them where they are in their various ages. And with our young people, many of Many parents think, well, they're, they're 16. I mean, you know, certainly they should have free run of the computer. Because that's just the way all 16-year-olds are. I mean, every, a lot of 16-year-olds even have their own computers in their rooms. And that's an independence apart from God that is a very dangerous independence. So independence, the proper growing independence, if you want to let your 16-year-old use the computer, it's used within the parameters and guidelines and principles that are established in the Word of God. It's used for a purpose as a tool. And I remember when Josiah first got his flight simulator. I have trouble putting those two words together. Flight simulator. It wasn't just a game for him. It was more a reward system. We said, if you're going to use that, then you use it realistically. You don't just, you know, do anything you want to do with it. You learn how to fly the plane right on there. It's not just a a toy. It's not just a free-for-all. It's an educational tool. So those were the boundaries. And that developed, he could use that and be independent using that as long as it was used within those parameters. If he didn't use it within those parameters, then he lost the privilege of using it. So it's very important when we help our young people gain that independence that we communicate with them the parameters by which we're developing that independence. And those are all based off of the Word of God. See, we want to have a trust that's developing. And trust is earned. It's mutually earned, okay? Parents need to learn how to be trusting towards their children, develop trust in their children, and vice versa. 
when our son wanted to start a lawn business, when Josiah wanted to start a lawn business, and he was able to mow the lawn, okay? And many times, this is very important, just because, as Elaine says, many 16-year-olds today, if I were to ask, you know, most of the young people here today would be 10 times more computer savvy than I am. Now, I'm not a good example about computers, but I'm saying the generation of young people today are really, their, their knowledge of computers is incredible, okay? But that doesn't mean that they should have a computer and the internet dumped in their lap. It, the two don't go together. There's a trust that's earned. And when Josiah could push the lawnmower and could mow the lawn, it wasn't enough for a lawn business. I told him, and some of you have heard this story, I told him that you cannot start a lawn business until I see you from start to finish be able to take care of every aspect of the lawnmower and every aspect of what goes with the lawnmower. That means it isn't just that you're strong enough to push the lawnmower. That means when you are done with the job, the lawnmower is cleaned, the, the gas cap, and that, that was the, that just became kind of a benchmark in our home, the gas cap. Because it's the little things. It's the little things. Out. I told him, until you can take care of all the little things that go along with mowing the lawn, the things that require you to think about the details that are important, until you do all those things, you are not prepared to go and represent God in somebody else's lawn. And as a result of him taking those things to task, he developed a reputation in our community as the lawn boy. As the, that's what our, one of the old ladies in our community that just loved Josiah, she called him my lawn boy. And when we would go to visit her, she didn't know who we were until I said, I'm the lawn boy's father. Oh, yes, the lawn boy. <laughs> but, you know, he would not leave a blade of grass that was visible longer than the others. I, I, I mean that literally sometimes. Mm-hmm. I said, Josiah, he said, I want to do it to the very best. Amen. And I told him, I will never fly in an airplane with you. When he was 12 years old, I said, I'll never fly in an airplane with you until you learn to put the gas cap on and put the gas can back where it goes. Without being told. Without being told. Because I said, when I get in an airplane with you, and I'm thankful to say I've been in the airplane with Josiah many times now, and I'm still here. (laughs) But I'm thankful to say that he learned, because I said, Josiah, the the principle here is is that when, when I go out and I see the gas can left out here in the yard, I can see it. It's red. And I can see that you forgot it. And I can say, Josiah, go back out and take care of the gas can. But I can't possibly know what I'm supposed to look at on that instrument panel in an airplane. I won't know the right questions to ask. So I have to know when I get in this airplane that my son has enough of the right kind of independence and self-government that I know you're going to be ready to fly that airplane even though I can't ask you all the questions. And I praise God. He's a good pilot. He's an excellent pilot. And part of the reason he's an excellent pilot, aside from trusting in the Lord, is that he's been brought to task on the little things of life that really count. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Amen. It's a simple principle. But I know, and Josiah has shared stories with me now because he gets to read the NTSB reports of these crashes and things, and you would not believe some of the pilot error that causes crashes. 
just forgetting to turn the altimeter to the right setting for the airport that you're sitting at when you take off can be a thousand feet different and you crash as a result because you didn't pay attention to that one detail. Now, whether it's an airplane, driving a car, you know, just because you're 16 doesn't mean you're ready to get a license, does it? It doesn't mean because you can put it in gear and drive the car that a 16-year-old is ready for their license. Have they developed the proper independence to be ready to drive that automobile? That's the question. And that's our responsibility as parents to be nurturing that. Very familiar scripture. The wise man writes for us, and it's for every one of us. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, what? Train? What does it say? Train. Let's say it again. Train. That's a very important word in that sentence. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That training process, we want to encourage you to go back to Scripture and look for the illustrative examples through the stories of old of the faithful parents who have trained their young people in proper independence. Now, I went on a word search for independence in in Scripture, and I couldn't find any. The word not used there. Independence. But the concept... The understanding is there illustrated in so many of the parenting stories. The one that strikes me the most profound is that of Samuel and Hannah. Now, we know that he went away from his home at a very young age. Very young. He had just been weaned, just weaned from his mother. And he's taken now and left. Can you imagine that? Say your child is three years old, and now you're going to take him, and you're going to leave him with the, the conference president, okay? And you're going to let him help do the responsibilities in his home and in his church and in his, you know, conference. I mean, that's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> because you have no more influence, except once a year when you see him at a, you know, a church gathering. I mean, let's bring it to, to our understanding and our terms. Here she took her son Samuel because she had trained him in the word of God by the power of God as a faithful mother. She trained him to proper independence. And as we dissect the the story of Samuel and Hannah, we recognize that he was trained to obey. That was the first thing he was trained to do. And as we train our children to obey, we are teaching them how to have proper independence how to listen to instruction, and how to follow through. And that is very important to developing independence, isn't it? So he was trained to obey. He was trained to be respectful. And because of his respect, even when priest Eli's sons, who we know their example was worse than poor, it was wicked and evil and satanic and this was the influence this young boy was left in he never departed from god but he treated priest eli and his sons with respect but he didn't participate and he was not lured into temptation by those other boys in there even though they were older which older youth have a profound influence on the younger ones 
So just because they weren't three or four years old like he was isn't why he wasn't influenced. They actually have a stronger influence, the older to the younger. But he was trained to have respect and obedience to his parents and to the principles of the Word of God. And he stood faithful. He learned that proper independence there. So what about learning this independence in the household responsibilities? You think that's a good place to have it happen? Would we want our young people... Now, we have met so many people over the years, partly because we've met so many people, okay? So I know that most people don't have the opportunity going to all the different places and meeting people, but we have met so many young people today that are handicapped and actually embarrassed. Handicapped. Not physically handicapped, but young people who are handicapped in their households, and they're embarrassed. Because time slips away, and now they're ready to be involved in a relationship, and they don't really know how to take care of a home properly. Now, to many of you here, this may seem foreign. I don't know, because I don't know all of you here, obviously. But to many people today, in general, we live in a society that pampers young people and says, do what you want to do, we'll take care of the house. And they don't learn these, these skills. They don't learn how to bake bread. I remember when the girls were still very young and Elaine was making bread one day, and I said, honey, how about letting the girls, I mean, they're right, right at that age, they want to be in there, everything mother's doing in the kitchen. And she said, well, it'll take so much longer if I have them do it now. I mean... And it'll be such a mess. And I said, honey, I mean, when is it going to be convenient? <laughs> now, it's easy for me to say, right? You know, I could tell you some stories about on the other end, you know, <laughs> take them out to change the oil and these things, you know. But when is it more convenient? And I tell you that, that Elaine would, would be the first to thank the Lord that, yes, I can remember the flour all over the floor, <laughs> Really, well, not all over the floor, but there was a bit of flour on the floor, and the counters were a mess, but the bread was delicious, and the girls felt like victorious crusaders <laughs> with their first loaf of bread. And I want to tell you that in, in, a, in a short time, with the, the attitude of desiring to teach and train, those girls and Josiah, as he came along later, learned and I remember Elaine broke her coccyx, and she was in bed. I mean, in bed for 10 days. And I thought... That was hard. <laughs> What's that? That was hard. That was hard, yeah. <laughs> keeping her in bed was the hardest thing. But I thought, you know, I'm going to have to take all these responsibilities on. And I, believe it or not, I can do a few things in the home. I, I can. I, I can do a few things. I can make spaghetti, make oatmeal, you know, a few of these kind of things. And I thought it was going to have to be me. I was amazed and thrilled to watch the young people take the responsibility for every meal. I did not have to prepare one meal in those 10 days. I didn't even know they could do it. Now, I had watched them work with Elaine. They took every meal. They took care of the house. I didn't do one bit of, well, I shouldn't say I didn't do one bit of cleaning. I helped a little bit here and there, as I do when I can, but they took the responsibility and it thrilled my soul. And I know that it meant an awful lot to Elaine as she was forced to be in bed. Didn't it? 
it, it was incredible because I, I recognized that, you know, we, we're working with training this independence and these skills, and it becomes the child's self-motivation to do it. But then when, when you're kind of in a crisis, it's like the bloom opened up. And it was beautiful. I had no idea because I was probably hovering too much, you know. <laughs> And so this gave me the opportunity to see what our children could really do. And you know what happened from that 10 days forward? The expectations rose to a higher plane. <laughs> because, you know, we like, young people, they like challenges, don't they? Amen. If you don't believe it, you'll be out at the tag field here in a few minutes. They like, like challenges. Them. There's one boy here, he already told me yesterday I'm going to get you today. And I said, you probably will. <laughs> I mean, they like to be challenged. And he wasn't very big. And he made me work really hard to get him. So he's going to uh, give me my return. Now, so we, go ahead. I have to tell you, boys, as you've heard me speaking about the girls coming, coming along in Josiah, he learned how to prepare meals. And he's very thankful now where he lives in Arizona that he can prepare meals. Now I have to be honest with you. He doesn't do what he could do. And he says it's because he's got too much to do so they just, what they see, they pull out of the refrigerator. And a part of that is just, I think tends to be more the way young men are than, than young women would be. But he can cook. And one of the things that he did not leave our home, I told him, I told him, not his mother, I said you will not leave this home until you can iron properly. That means with a cheerful disposition. Because he did not like to iron. He would say, he could do everything else in the home, but he said, that the girls should iron. He sometimes would bargain with his sisters to trade. He would do extra work if they would do his ironing. So I said... But that you, didn't happen very often. You have to be... You have to have the right attitude, the right spirit, and the technique for ironing before you leave this home to go to flight school. And he has thanked us, and especially his mother. Because when he got to flight school... First day. First day. One of the first requirements, they wear a professional uniform at the flight school, which was one of the things that we were very impressed with. They look sharp in school. Okay? And that uniform has to be ironed. That shirt has to be ironed with the right seams. That's good, isn't it? Very professional. You know, airline pilots, and I say airline pilots, I don't know what some of the corporate pilots dress like, but airline pilots are one of the few professions left that have maintained the integrity of professional conduct and professional appearance. You can walk into almost any hospital today and you can't tell the doctor from the janitor. Literally. I mean that literally because we both used to work in hospitals. And the doctors are in scrubs and the janitor's in scrubs. And you can't tell the difference many times because the, the uniforms have just gone by the wayside. So he was very thankful because when he got there, he had to start doing some active ironing every day. You know what else he was thankful for? Because his roommate hadn't learned to iron as well, and so he taught his roommate how to iron so he didn't have to iron his roommate's shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So these things that you may, you boys especially may think, well, why do I have to do that? I'm not going to be ironing. You may be ironing someday. I remember the first time Josiah saw me sew a button on my suit jacket. He was shocked. He said, Father, I didn't know you could sew. I said, yes, I learned how to sew. I, I don't have to do it much anymore, but I learned how to sew. It's not wrong for our young men to learn these basic domestic duties. And it's not wrong for our young women to learn to do those outside things that are within reason. Amen. So we want to quickly highlight some areas to, give, to challenge you as we've been challenged of things that we can expect our children to do in different age categories. We're going to talk about the three and four-year-olds. They're old enough to be able to match their socks or match socks in the laundry, to sweep the floor, to pour dry cereal or things that aren't going to make a mess if they spill out of the bowl a little bit, set the table with silverware, help prepare the meals, hang up clothes. Did you hear that, three or four? These are from a worldly study of what children between three and four, expectations to teach our children how to be self-governed. And it's, it's, inter- it's kind of sad that we have to find this you know, out there somewhere. But I tell you, our society is in dire need of parents to establish simple uh, chores for their young people to do in the home. And a child that old can also uh, separate the clothes, put the dirty clothes in the hamper. They can help clean up things that spill on the floor. So if they knock something over, mother doesn't have to be the one to clean it up. They're old enough to clean up the mess. Five or six-year-olds should be actively participating with mother or father in the grocery store helping to find, identify things. Five and six-year-olds should be helping in that process, understanding what is happening in the grocery store with mother. They should be able to be out in the garden picking the vegetables at that age, knowing what kind of vegetables are there. They could be making sandwiches, okay? Have them putting these components together. They can do it. Vacuuming, raking leaves, dusting the the furniture, and so forth. Seven to nines. They can safely learn how to cook on any kind of stove you have. Now, we have a wood cook stove, and at seven years old, our children knew how to cook on a wood cook stove or electric stove or gas or whatever you have. They can learn to make simple meals using that instrument, that appliance, safely. They can learn how to use tools and make minor repairs, saws, hammers, screwdrivers, and learn how to use them properly and safely. They can help prepare the grocery list. They can scrub and clean the bathrooms. They can pack lunches. They can be in charge of the garden, from planting to weeding to harvesting. These are just simple guidelines because many parents have the standards set way low or are not even thinking about it. So a 10 and 12, 10 to 12 year old can do anything See how quiet it got? A 10 to 12-year-old can do anything in normal household responsibilities. Anything. Anything that mother can do, a 10 to 12-year-old can safely do if properly trained and motivated in the home environment. Isn't that exciting? And the work that we put into the young people at that age will pay huge dividends on the other end to our households 
and to the households, if the Lord should tarry, to the households that God prepares for them in their future life. You think it's worth taking the time to develop independence in our young people? The right kind of independence, the right kind of governing them? You want to talk about that, dear? Go ahead. Okay, it's got your color. <laughs> we, it's interesting, we do these, these messages together. It doesn't have any color on <laughs> Oh, it does I forgot to put your color on. And by the time we get to the end of the message, I'm blue and he's pink. <laughs> it's just a quick way to remember who's supposed to cover what part. Okay, you know what, it just jogged my memory. Motorcycle. That's right. Yes, and that's just for Doug. Where are you, Doug? Is he even in here? Doug, you're back there. See, I was going to leave this out because you said this about the motorcycle. One of the most important things, this is why she was pointing to me to do this part. I just didn't see the motorcycle part. (laughs) Part of their developing independent thinking is not shutting down the thinking process. I remember driving to Kalispell, which is 65 miles, and Josiah was riding with me in the car. And he thought this would be a great opportunity. He asked if he could go with me on this trip, and he thought it would be a great opportunity. I didn't know it at the time, but as we were driving, he wanted to introduce the idea of getting a motorcycle. Okay? 17 years old, wants to get a motorcycle. I want to tell you that my first volcanic reaction inside (laughs) was, no! (laughs) But I also want to tell you that the Lord is good. We don't have to give way to those volcanic reactions. Those emotional responses. Those can be subdued by the Lord. Because I remembered I had a motorcycle when I was 17 years old. I didn't tell him that right at that moment. (laughs) Because that's too much of a positive side. But I was thinking about the emergency room. I used to specialize in the emergency room in radiology. And I could think of all these pictures going through my mind of people. That's not a sufficient reason either. But you know, I listened to him and he gave me all the reasons why he wanted to have a motorcycle. And I just let him tell me everything that was on his heart. And I never interrupted him. And then, when he was all done, sort of spent, (laughs) then it was just silence. And then he said, well, what do you think, Father? Now I get my opportunity to talk. And I didn't just dive into it. Like, I couldn't wait to say no. (laughs) No, I began to ask him about, well, you know, we're in this process building Grandpa's house right now. How are you going to get all your tools down to Grandpa's, you know, for the different jobs you have to do? How are you going to take the building materials that you've been taking in the truck down to Grandpa's? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. I said, well, when would you ever have time to ride this motorcycle? You're trying to earn money for... Westwind School of Aeronautics. Yeah, I guess I really wouldn't have any time building Grandpa's house, would I? And you know, we just talked, and I asked him questions, and pretty soon, you know what he said? I don't think it's a very practical idea for me to have a motorcycle right now. And then I told him what was really in my heart. (laughs) But do you see the difference? We sometimes just jump in, and we can shut him down, and, and we want him to be independent thinking, but... Are we nurturing that kind of thinking so that they can reason through something or do we just cut them off? And that's it. You know, and then it came back up again in Phoenix. He wanted to have a motorcycle. It's economical. You know, I mean, of course, if he brings the financial side of it in, of course, they're going to go for it. (laughs) 
You want to have a motorcycle in Phoenix? It came up again, and this time, you know, I could ride it every day to school, Father, and it gets 50 to 60 miles to the gallon. You know, I was so thankful that we were looking for a car for him. And he's having this discussion with us. And the man where we were at the auto dealer, he said, let me tell you some experiences that happened here in Phoenix. He said the, the, the motorcycle fatality rate is one of the highest in all of the country. And the rates of insurance are up to $10,000 a year for a motorcycle in Phoenix. Because the insurance companies here know that it's just a matter of when, not if. You will dump that bike in Phoenix. And we were able to talk through it again from the economic side of it. I said, that's not very economically feasible, is it, Josiah? <laughs> Basically, where we ended up in the discussion, and, and if you were to ask Josiah, he's very happy with this answer. I said, Josiah, I understand this desire you have to have a motorcycle. But I said, as long as I am supporting you and helping you, when you get your own home, when you're physically, I mean, you know, and financially responsible, then you can decide if you want to have a motorcycle. And he was happy with that. But he would not have been as happy with it if I just said no that very first time, and end of discussion. That doesn't help our young people develop independence. We have to let them reason through it, and then we have to discuss it with them, and then we have to ask them questions, and then we help to bring them to a conclusion that we can live with and they can understand. I have nothing against motorcycles. Doug and I have a good time. I've ridden motorcycles there at Doug's house. He rides the safer kind out in the backyard in the back fields, not out on the highways. Well, I don't know if he rides on the highway, but anyway, he doesn't. See, he's shaking his head no. <laughs> but even there, sometimes it can get you in trouble, right, Doug? <laughs> so the point is this. Even if you completely disagree with what your young person wants to talk about, part of developing independence is letting them reason with you. Let them express all their best arguments and then prayerfully and thoughtfully share with them the guidance and counsel that they need Amen. to come to the decision that you believe God is leading you to. Developing independence. I think we need to close with prayer. It's time for freeze tag. Shall we kneel together? Do we have, uh, where, where is my, here he is, Ed. Ed is going to close us with prayer. And as we kneel together, let's pray for God to show us the independence that we can develop in our young people. Thank you, Ed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you created each of us with minds that can think and choose. Amen. We thank you also that you have made us in families and that you've given us as parents responsibilities and you've also given our children responsibilities. I pray, Father, that you would be guiding and teaching us as we seek to guide and teach our children. Amen. As we seek to enable them to make proper choices, independent choices that would honor you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us also to understand our position before you 
and that we would also exhibit that same proper independence. Amen. I pray that you would bless in our activities and plans this afternoon, guide and protect and watch over us. I thank you so much for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.